Welcome to the American Meteorological Society's podcast series on careers in the atmospheric and related sciences. I'm Kelly Savoy, and I'm here with Jason Emanuel, and we will be your hosts. Our podcast series will give you the opportunity to step into the shoes of an expert working in weather, water, and climate sciences. We're happy to introduce today's guest, Mona Beal, who is an oceanographer and associate director of NOAA's Sea Grant Program at the University of Georgia. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Mona, did you major in oceanography? Yes. And where did you get your degree? I got my PhD in physical oceanography from Florida State University. And did you have um, an oceanography degree as an undergraduate degree, or did you major in something else and then switch? No, I actually got my bachelor and master degrees in physics uh, honor school from the Center of Advanced Studies in Physics uh, at Punjab University, India. Uh, I came to the United States only 13 years ago to pursue my PhD uh, at Florida State University. What made you transition from physics to oceanography? What sparked your interest in that? Uh, The quest to learn more and understand the world around us, honestly. Um, My journey from physics to oceanography was very random. Uh, Like many physics scholars who I aspired to be an astronomer, I was selected to go to grad school in the UK, uh, but could not afford it. Uh, Around the same time, I came across an article in the newspaper about a scientist at Florida State University who provided a physical science explanation of Jesus walking on water. I got in touch with the professor and shared my interest in, in using my background in physics to study weather and climate. Um, I was eventually selected to pursue a doctorate in physical oceanography at Florida State University. Uh, I often like to share that I come from a landlocked state in India. I had never seen the ocean until I came to Florida to pursue my PhD. Very interesting. Did you have a specific area of research within physical oceanography that you focused on? Absolutely. And thanks for that question, Jason. So for my PhD, I looked at Um, what happens to the atmosphere of Europe uh, when the uh, Atlantic meridional overturning circulation slows down. So I'm not sure if you've heard, but there's there's this huge ocean current in the North Atlantic, which is responsible for um, keeping the temperature of the poles and the equator to where it is. Mm. It is responsible for exchanging heat between the ocean and the atmosphere. The water sinks at uh, the higher latitudes um, in, in the polar regions and it rises it in the form. So it moves and this current moves in the form of a conveyor belt. And so this conveyor belt kind of sinks in the in the higher poles, in the higher latitudes, and it, it rises in the lower latitudes. And there's sufficient scientists uh, have sufficient evidence to show that this Atlantic meridional overturning circulation is slowing down. Mm. So um, I looked at what happens. I used simple conceptual models and analytical techniques to study air-sea interaction and understand what happens to the atmosphere of Europe um, if this Atlantic meridional overturning circulation slows down. Cool. Thanks so much for the explanation. So what would happen to Europe? Well, my study, uh, which I conducted uh, six years ago, um, Mm -hmm. my research showed that the temperature of Europe will cool. Um, There would be localized cooling. 
but it wouldn't uh, cool um, by by a whole lot. Um, so there would still be localized cooling in the region where the Atlantic meridional uh, overturning circulation takes place in the upper latitudes, um, but it it would not be as substantial. Yeah, so um, what was your first job in the field? And could you give us a brief overview of how you ended up where you are now? Sure. So after earning my PhD, I got the opportunity to work with the American Meteorological Society Policy Program in Washington, D.C. That experience uh, strengthened my resolve to work in the interface of science and society. Towards the end of my fellowship, I was selected to lead the research program at Texas Sea Grant, which is housed at Texas A&M University. For those who do not know, Sea Grant is a marine analog of land-grant universities in the United States. It was formed back in 1966 by Dr. Athelstan Spillhouse, who was a South African geophysicist and an oceanographer. So as a research coordinator at Texas Sea Grant, I coordinated the biennial research proposal process, developed and maintained the program's grants and fellowship portfolio, facilitated information exchange between research and extension, created technical reports and databases, and assisted in strategic planning and evaluation of the program. Um, I transitioned into a leadership role with Georgia Sea Grant uh, here at the University of Georgia back in 2015. I currently serve as the Associate Director of Georgia Sea Grant Program and provide overall administrative and fiscal oversight to the program. I also hold public service and academic faculty appointments here at the University of Georgia. So as an associate director and like in the leadership position, do you still get a chance to do any uh, research, hands-on research? Absolutely. Uh, I would say 80% of my job responsibility is um, is uh, most, mostly administrative mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, Another 80% is probably research as well. Um, Georgia Sea Grant is located uh, in is housed under the Office of Public Service and Outreach uh, at the University of Georgia. And all public service faculty, um, in which I am one, are required to conduct uh, public service uh, research uh, and applied research, undertake applied research projects and um and implement some public service programming. So uh, I have adjunct appointment with the Marine Science Department and a public service um, appointment uh, under the Office of Public Service and Outreach, like I said, where I do conduct applied research. Mm -hmm. So um, other than the the visiting fellow program, what other opportunities did you pursue that you knew would be beneficial to getting a position in oceanography? Were there certain professional development opportunities that you took advantage of? I would like to highlight two opportunities that were instrumental on putting me on my career, uh, current career trajectory. Those experiences were the AMS Summer Policy Colloquium and the NSF-sponsored Expert Witness Training Academy. I got to participate in both these experiences as a graduate student at Florida State The Summer Policy Colloquium is an intense 10-day experience in Washington, D.C. that introduces scientists and professionals about the importance and need to use sound science to inform public policy choices. And uh, led by the William Mitchell College of Law, the Expert Witness Training Academy 
is focused on training scientists to be better communicators in an adversarial setting. Uh, these two experiences sparked my interest in exploring opportunities beyond academia in the science society interface. So in addition to applying for generic postdoctoral positions after um, my PhD, I also explored opportunities in science policy. Being an international scholar, I did not qualify for either of the congressional fellowships uh, and unfortunately was not selected for uh, the, the two uh, science policy fellowships that are open to international scholars, which are the John Knauss Marine Policy Fellowship and the Presidential Management Fellowship. Um, however, I did keep in touch with the leadership of the EMS policy program and was lucky enough to be given the opportunity to work with them as a visiting fellow in 2012. Well, so that's some really interesting and neat areas that the expert witness one sounds really, really cool. How did you even find out about that? That is interesting. And thank you for your question, Kelly. I uh, Again, it was the EMS Summer Policy Colloquium. I got the opportunity to participate as a graduate student and uh the NSF Paleoclimate Program provides stipends to about 10 uh, graduate students to, uh, to come to Washington, D.C. and participate in this 10-day experience. It was during the Summer Policy Colloquium in, back in 2011 that I first learned about this new program that the NSF Paleoclimate Program was uh, going to sponsor uh, which was which is the Expert Witness Training Academy. So I found out about the academy through the Summer Policy Colloquium. So could you, uh, I know you mentioned being a visiting fellow with the AMS Policy Program, but for people who are unfamiliar with the program, could you just give a, a little more background about what you did in that program? Absolutely. Thanks for your question, Jason. Uh, it was a life-changing experience uh, for me. Um, I got the opportunity to work with a small interdisciplinary group of researchers, and I was exposed to a number of issues at the intersection of science and policy. One of the most important lessons that I learned was the value of scientific integrity and ethics. Um, my experience at AMS truly cemented my resolve to pursue non-academic opportunities to advance science. And it was then that I started to apply for various positions in science administration, management, and leadership, and eventually landed with two job offers and a national fellowship. So once again, AMS policy program tends to lead a number of workshops, a number of policy studies, um, and in cutting edge issues in weather, water, and climate science uh, professions. Did you have any mentors that provided with you with guidance as you progressed in your career? Do you have anyone in particular um, that you learned a lot from? Absolutely. Mentoring is invaluable. Uh, I'm a product of my mentors who have consistently provided me with love, encouragement, support, and guidance at every step of the way. Something that I find really special about my culture, that is the Indian culture, is the recognition of a centuries-old tradition in India called the Guru Shishya Parampara. This tradition fosters a thoughtful exchange of ideas, expertise, and friendship between a guru, who is the mentor, and shishya, who is the mentee. The relationship between a guru and a shishya is an emotional, spiritual, and intellectual friendship that is built on the foundation of trust, respect, and commitment. I've been lucky to have several gurus, i.e. mentors, to guide me during my personal and professional journey. Um, that begins at home with my parents, uh, my, my sibling, 
um, my uh, late fiance, and then uh, a number of teachers that I met um, in my academic journey. Somebody that I connect with and I cannot visualize my life visualize my life without is um, Dr. Bill, Bill Hook um, with the American Meteorological Society. I turn to Bill for everything. Yeah, that's great to hear. And um, both my parents are Gujarati, so I feel like I relate to the guru discussion. Um, so looking forward, do you think the future job market is promising for careers in oceanography? Absolutely. I think there's a dire need for geoscientists in the world that we live in today. And let me explain why. Each year, the World Economic Forum that it comprises uh, leaders from uh, the private sector as well as the public sector across the globe, uh, the forum puts together a report called the Global Risks Report that outlines the major environmental, societal, technological, economic, and political risks that are faced by humanity. The report also outlines how these risks are interconnected to one another. So you see environmental risks do not exist in a limbo. They're very much interrelated with societal, technological, economic, and political risks. Extreme weather events, climate change, and scarcity of water resources happen to be the top global risks in the world that we live in today. We need oceanographers, atmospheric scientists, geologists, climatologists who can collaborate uh, with social scientists to address these global challenges and capture new opportunities related to these risks. So from my humble perspective, there's, there's not been a more important time to be an oceanographer or an atmospheric science scientist than today. Yeah, thanks so much. That was very insightful. Sure. So at NOAA's Sea Grant program, um, in your position, what is your typical day on the job like? So I look forward to being at my job every single day. I know it sounds cliche, but no two days are alike. My position calls for me to ensure that the federal and state money that we invest has real-world impact. I'm required to keep a finger, keep my finger on the pulse of our constituents' needs and build innovative and collaborative teams to address those needs here in Georgia. We make investments in natural and social science projects that are directed towards natural resource and societal issues in coastal Georgia. To do my job well, I am required to stay current on the activities and accomplishments of the projects that we fund. That means I travel to some of the most beautiful places on the coast, take, take occasional trips with researchers down, down rivers or into the marsh, and have great conversations with very smart people who tell me about the work they're, they're excited about. I also get the opportunity to provide mentorship and guidance to the next generation of scientists who are engaged in our program through various scholarships and fellowships. Being in the job that I am today is absolutely an intellectual perk, but I think it's also a social perk, and I am very grateful for that. So that's excellent that you get to do some field work um, when you travel. So you must like that that break from being in the office to be able to get out there and see what's happening. Most definitely, Kelly. If I'm not sitting in front of my computer dealing with an administrative or a fiscal matter, I am. I get the opportunity to interact with uh, individuals from diverse coastal communities in Georgia. I also get the opportunity to visit various universities and colleges and listen to 
scientists tell me about some cutting edge research that they're they're conducting at their departments. And in my position, I get to be a connector, a matchmaker, uh, bringing science to uh, and making the, the, that science relevant to the society. So it's it's truly um, it's truly amazing. Yeah, it sounds like your job is so varied. But if you had to pick just one thing that was your favorite, what do you like most about your job? One of my primary responsibilities is vetting research proposals, that is clustering proposals into overlapping topic areas and panels, recruiting panelists and other reviewers, overseeing the review panels and making funding recommendations. Additionally, I get to monitor and oversee funded research. Therefore, I have the opportunity to reflect on the work of others, communicate the impact and benefits of publicly funded research, and also bring my own vision to advancing the field of ocean, ocean coastal, and marine sciences. Being constantly in touch with uh, stakeholders, I also get the opportunity to learn of the constantly changing research needs and how science can serve the society better. Leadership and management roles can be fairly challenging, but it is these challenges that I do enjoy the most. I was just going to ask that about um, what do you find the most challenging on your job, but you have answered that. Um, Lack of diversity and positive role models happens actually to be one of the most um, challenging aspects of, of the job that I'm in. It is no surprise at this time that geosciences are the least diverse STEM field. And ethnic and racial diversity and atmospheric and ocean sciences is worse. Uh, Being an international woman of color in physical sciences, I've often found myself to be the, quote, only one at various instances throughout my academic and professional journey. Um, Being in a leadership position, like I mentioned before, it's challenging, it's exciting, but it's, it's, it's also, it can be also a very lonely place at the same time. Um, and it would be it it would be really, really helpful to see more leaders who look like me and who've had experiences that are similar to me. Yeah, I could see that. But I feel like by being a leader yourself, you're kind of, you know, encouraging or serving as an example for future people, future women of color to also pursue that same opportunity. I hope so. Thank you for saying that. So looking back on your career so far? Is there anything you might have done differently? My academic training has been strictly in physical science. Um, I have my, like I mentioned before, my bachelor and master degrees in physics and a PhD in physical oceanography. I wish I could have taken some classes in social science, in particular science policy, Mm. classes on communicating risk, and more fundamentally, maybe some classes on history and philosophy of science. I think those that that uh, that kind of academic background might have been really it could it could be really helpful in the in the job that I'm in right now. Now that you've moved into this management position and um, you're you know in a job that you really love, what types of professional development opportunities do you engage in now to keep current? So I, I participate in national meetings and conferences. AMS happens to be my professional home, and I like to go to the AMS annual meeting in January. I also participate in ocean sciences meeting. Um, I pretend to, being in a Sea Grant program, I tend to participate in a lot more state, local, and regional conferences, 
that happen to draw a much smaller crowd around themes that are more place-based. I also participate in science policy and communication discussions, both regionally as well as nationally. And something that I'd like to emphasize is the engagement um, on different boards and committees of uh, various professional societies, and in particular, uh, AMS. Serving on review panels for research and fellowship programs um, has also uh, been extremely important to me uh, to help me stay current in my field. Thanks. I feel like that'll be helpful for our listeners. And so do you have any advice that you would give to students or early career professionals looking to land a job in oceanography or a similar field? Well, reflecting back on my academic and professional journey, I think I have uh, three things to share. One of them is stay in a mode of constant learning. Uh, Change is continuous, so it's critical to constantly learn and update your proficiencies and expertise. Uh, It's also important to kind of stretch yourself outside of your comfort zone as you stay in that constant mode of learning. The second important thing is to stay relevant. Um, There are various challenges that are interconnected, like I spoke of, these societal, economic, political, technological, environmental challenges. And um, they require us to stay abreast of our field through constant learning, maintaining a depth and knowledge, um, depth of knowledge and understanding of various challenges, but then also being able to tease out what is most important and how might we use science to address these challenges. Um, So staying relevant is critical. And last but not the least, Being in a leadership position has taught me that relationships are everything. At the end of the day, it is uh, people. It is is your relationship with uh, your peers, your mentors, uh, your colleagues um, that that matter the most. Mm -hmm. And so investing the time, the energy, the effort to build a relationship uh, have fierce conversations and uh, and work towards common goal um, you know is 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 very important so so those are the three things that I had to say stay in a mode of constant learning, stay relevant, and relationships are everything yeah networking seems to be you know so beneficial to most students and early career professionals um, everyone we've spoken to has, you know, emphasized that, that it's really, really important to make sure you make those connections. Um, Do you think that uh, if a student wanted to be an oceanographer um, or go into oceanography, that they could go the route you went where they could get an undergraduate degree, say in physics, and then move on to um, get a master's or a PhD in oceanography? Did you feel that that was an okay route to get to where you are now? Absolutely. Um, And thanks for that question, Kelly. I had no idea when I was pursuing physics, uh, you know, in terms of uh, the the career opportunities and the career tracks uh, that it would open for me. But uh, you could you could you could be uh, your major could be chemistry, biology, physics. uh, Any of those uh, majors can lead to 
uh, an academic and a professional career in oceanography. I pursued physical oceanography because of my academic foundation in physics, but I got the opportunity during grad school to interact with chemical oceanographers, geological oceanographers, biological oceanographers, marine biologists. So there are just a plethora of fields that you can pursue with if you have the foundation of um, physics, chemistry, mathematics, biology. That's great advice because I know a lot of students aren't really sure what they want to do when they start college. And to have one of those degrees that kind of give you a foundation for other sciences is um, it's definitely uh, an avenue that they can take. And then they can change and decide what they're the most interested in as they um, move up in school. Simona, we always ask our guests one last fun question at the end of each of our podcasts. What is your favorite hobby? Oh, um, I love to listen to music. I also like to paint and I hike. Where do you hike? Are you hike around um, where you work or do you have a favorite place? Uh, interesting that you ask, Kelly. So um, I got a chance to be in the Himalayan mountains for a month uh, this past October and that has been one of my favorite places to hike. Well, thanks so much for joining us and sharing your work experiences. That's our show for today. Please join us next time, rain or shine. <laughs>